Active with the petrol head, Nicku Smith. It's 20 to 9. He's here. He's on the line. He's on the couch. He's had his cup of coffee. Nico, how are you? I am very good, Michelle. How are you? You're always very good, and I love that about you. you you're, you're... Yeah, but it's always nice to speak to you. It's, a, it's a <laughs> nice to wake up a little bit earlier. <laughs> Have a have a coffee and chat to you. That that makes uh, my Saturday. It's like a mutual love slurp slot this one. There you eh? go. There you yeah, go. <laughs> we just love it. Nico, did you have your first cup of coffee? Yes, already. I mean, it's so cold. I had sure. to get it quite early. So probably just before eight, I had the first one okay. already. And then after this, I'll have another one. Oh, it's cold out. So there's it's not going to so there's going to be no brying outside for you. There's going to be no brying. After this, I'm going to, I've got a book that I'm reading that's actually quite interesting. Yeah. After this, there'll be some reading. What are you reading, Nico? I'm reading a book uh, called I'm Thinking of Ending Things by Ian Reid. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like a little thriller. Um, yeah. I, I haven't finished it yet, but it's, worth, it's quite, quite interesting. Phew, it's quite a title, eh? Yes, it's, but it's really it's, it's a, it's a small, uh, short book, but it packs quite a punch. And it's like a bit of a thriller and strange things are happening and you don't know what's going on. So I'm enjoying it quite a lot. Although I must say, when I think of that phrase, I'm thinking of ending things, like the first thing that comes to mind is, would that mean that you were topping yourself or would that mean that you were ending a relationship? No, in this or... case, it's ending a relationship. But ah. it's really a strange little book. I'll lend it to you when I'm done. I'm sure you should read it. You definitely have to read it. Okay, fantastic. So, Nico, you, you're going to, if we talk about cars on a spectrum, you're going to the very right end of the spectrum. That's it. You know what? I, I, I think of cars in two ways. I think of cars, number one, is what you can afford. <clears throat> so there's sort of cars is either, okay, what can I afford with my budget? Mm. And then the second side of cars is what do I dream about in, an, in a perfect world or when I win the Euro lotto because South African lotto ain't going to make it for this car. Jeez. <laughs> so what is this yeah. car? <laughs> well, the, the, you know, it's, it's, it's a car that, that uh, takes its uh, uh, roots back to the 1970s. Um, and when I was a small boy, I had a little model car like this. And uh, lots of kids had in the 80s uh, and I guess 70s had posters of this car on their wall. It was called the Lamborghini Countach. Yeah. Um, the name, of course, comes from a, an exclamation of excitement. Uh, and the story goes that there's different versions. One of them says that a security guard saw them working on the car and his expression was Countach, which is like, this is amazing, you know, when you're excited about something. And that name stuck. Uh, and um, so Lamborghini have now sort of relaunched the Countach again in limited numbers. So this is called the Countach LPI 804. <clears throat> so it's a, a limited edition Countach. They'll only make 112 of them. Yeah. Um, but what they've done is 112 in the entire world. In the entire world. But it's actually not a new car. So technically, it, it's based on the Cyan which is based on the Aventador. So it's not a, a completely new car or a completely new line like the initial. So the initial Countach should replace the Mura. And the Mura probably one of the most beautiful cars ever designed, and so is the Countach. So they're yes. two different cars, um, but they were you know, distinct lines. Where This is a like a special edition, and they're only going to make a few of them. Yeah. Um, and and they, what they've tried to do is recreate that styling of the 1970s. So the original Countach is really beautiful. In the 1980s, um, they, I think they almost, I don't know if you can say overstyled it, but they tried to keep it current and they've added wings and other things that really didn't make the car beautiful anymore, in my opinion. Um, 
so if you want to see, yeah, so what they've done is there's a brand new one that's um, now a little, little bit different because it's obviously much faster than the original. It now has 599 kilowatts, so almost 600 kilowatts with a V12 6.5 liter engine. Um, so so how, would that, how would that engine sound? Can you do it for us? Uh, no, I, I, not with my groggy voice. <laughs> Your voice would need to be very groggy to get that kind of engine to, sound. To get that V12. Imagine a 6.5 liter V12. You know what? Um, I've seen Dosh a little video, a clip. So yeah. um, uh, so the, the clip, if you watch that clip, yeah. um, it, it's nicely done because they've got the old car and then some dust that blows away and then gets to the new car. But imagine um, how much power that is. Nord 200 is 2.8 seconds. Nord to 200 is 8.6 seconds. Nord to 100 is 2.8 seconds. So in 2.8 seconds, you go from Nord to 200. And, and if you get to 200, that only takes 8.6 seconds. Jeez. So this car is extremely fast, but I think half of this is the styling as well. If you look at the styling, what they've tried to do is create that wedge shape because the, the car had a very distinct wedge shape. So a, a, a wedge nose. And then very flowing lines. It has the scissor doors, you know, the, the doors that lift up uh, on the side. Yeah. It has, and I'm not sure if it's NACA or NACA um, ducts. It, those tri- it's triangular ducts that you would so- see on, on, on airplanes. Um, those were the ducts that um, original, that original uh, Kuntaj had that you now found on, uh, on the new one. Plus at the back, it had a very distinct um, design of the real life. And this plays homage to that again. Um, so very sharp nose, very wedge profile. Um, I don't know if you've got some pictures that you can see and tell me what you think of it. No, I'm I'm still waiting for them to come through to me. We like uh, we, we we I'm waiting for, to have a look at them. But but, but it, it's really a, a, it, here you go. That's the original. So, Nico, I have to ask you, do you think that when you drive that car, um, you get that music playing in your head as well or in the background or in your, in your world? <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm sure the sound of that, 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 that car sounds amazing. You know, interesting, if you talk about that original Kuntash, by the way, um, it, the driving position apparently was un- unfortunately never driven one. But the driving position, um, wherever you read, is horrible because your, your legs are offset to the side. And oh, the wow. clutch and the brake were almost the same sort of pressure. And the engine was, was a little bit too high according to the original design, uh, um, drive, uh, the original test driver. His name was Bulboni. So the car um, tended to have a snap oversteer. So it was a tricky car to drive. The view out of the back was horrendous. Um, so, you know, if you look at today's cars with perfect driving positions and easy to drive, the original Countach apparently was quite a, a, a tricky thing to drive, but it's still one of the most beautiful cars ever designed in my opinion anyway it's yours michelle and um, lamborghini haven't given a price yet but um some of the websites say one million pounds and some of them say two million pounds so you're looking at around about 40 40 million rands or more for your uh, if you get one of the 112 contortions made so so 112 what do you think the chances are of uh, any of them coming to south africa well there is a you know there's always a possibility because lamborghini has quite a strong um following in south africa um, they, um, um, yeah, so I think uh, there's a chance that you might see one or two 
coming to South Africa, you never know. Because as I said, Lamborghini is quite strong in South Africa. So hopefully, you know, we might, if, if you, you might be lucky enough to see one of them. <laughs> or not you, but we. In South Africa, we might be lucky enough to see one of them. But uh, there's not a lot of them when there's only 112 worldwide. I'm sure they're going to be taken up very quickly as well. You know, it's not something that um, uh, I think within a week. Um, I, I mean, Lamborghini just released yesterday um, information about this car. Yeah. So uh, within a week, all of those, would be, if they're not already taken up, they'll be taken up. Yes. So, Nico, um, uh, what would you pay just to drive one of those? No, I wouldn't pay nothing. You wouldn't pay anything? <laughs> I never pay to drive a car. Not at all. I would love to drive it. Um, I'm just too poor to pay anything. Maybe 50 rand or, or 10 rand. <laughs> but nothing more. If you know what, you know, I'll just have a look and, and admire the beauty and dream what it would be like. But sometimes the older cars are more special, to be honest with you. Sometimes um, the new cars are nice and they look great, but there's something to an old car um, that just, um, I don't know, just still something special. Um, they're more, you know, they're more temperamental, um, but I don't know, these old cars do have something special to them, which new cars sometimes don't have. They're much faster, but they tend to be a bit more clinical. And they don't, I don't think they have the soul that old cars have. If you look at the people that collect old cars and drive them, Old cars have a certain smell that's, you know, a bit weird, um, but they're very distinct to each manufacturer. So, I don't know. Old cars definitely have something special still. Oh, sounds like a beautiful they call them car. Let's call them classics, yeah, not old cars. Absolutely classics. So, um, Stephen wants to know, why are you so enamored of cars? He says, I really don't get it. They're mechanically interesting. They get us to interesting places, but I don't understand your love. What is your love? Tell us about it. I don't know, Michelle. It's, you know what? I think it's when I grew up from being a small boy um, and liking cars and having little model cars. Um, and then so, and always remembering, you know, I, I recently got a whole stack of car magazines and some from the like lots of 60s and 70s and lots of 80s. And when I look at those now, I, re- I look at the magazine and remember still paging through them. Um, I remember the first time um, seeing the um, uh, Ferrari Testarossa in a magazine. Um, and then, you know, and, and always thinking about what would be your dream garage. So yeah. it's weird that um, maybe it's the way I grew up about cars. They weren't necessarily functional things. They were things I dreamed about. And saying, you know, one day in my garage, I would like to have this or this or this. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, as you rightly say, some people think, what's wrong with you? It's just a thing that gets you from A to B. And they're noisy and oily and they cost money. So um, some people love them and some people just see them. That's why I say it's almost two categories. What are you driving and what can you afford versus people that dream about a dream garage and, and the sound they make and, and the look they have. But I must say as well, Michelle, that I, I take every car for what it is. So sometimes I drive a really fast car or an expensive car, but I climb back in my car and I appreciate it. And sometimes I drive an entry-level car and I appreciate it for what it is. So I think each car has something that's... That, that, that makes it worthwhile. And uh, imagine our world without cars. You know, if we still had to have horses that would take us in a carriage somewhere, or imagine having an ox wagon to, if you want to move house, having oxes in an ox wagon to move your house, you know, to move your furniture. So, I don't know. It's, uh, I find them special, and I understand that not everybody does. So, Jan wants to know, why can't, I don't really understand this, why can't you have paddle shifters in a manual car? Okay. So, a manual car, um, 
you change the gears. So what happens is you go, um, you're, you're the boss of the gears. So the engine and the gearbox are connected with a clutch mechanism. So if you don't go to second gear, the car's not going to go to second gear. So in a manual car, you have all the control. And from a driving point of view, um, it's quite enjoyable because you are changing the gears and you're much more connected to the car. In an automatic car, the car does the shifting for you. So um, some automatic cars can actually have a clutch, but there's now a computer brain that decides uh, according to your position on the, um, the throttle, how much the car's moving. There's a few factors it takes into account, and then the car decides when to change to the next gear. So you're not really the boss of the gears because the car decides what is the best gear. Uh, mm. Manufacturers said, well, maybe some people would still want to have some control, and that's why um, paddle shifts came in. Um, so effectively, what all the paddle shifts are, are um, little paddles behind the steering wheel. The, uh, the first cars actually had little buttons on the steering wheel, and it now gives you the feeling that you might have some control. So in other words, even though it's automatic, if you want the car to change gears, you just flick the right paddle and it goes up a gear or the left paddle and it goes down a gear. So it gives you the feeling that you have some sort of control in your automatic. Some uh, performance cars actually um, will limit the car in a gear. In other words, if you get to the red line, it won't shift. But you still can't destroy the car. So you can't go at 100 k's an hour to first gear and destroy the car because there's still some protection built in. So the paddles just give you the feeling that you have control, almost like a manual, but not 100%. Nico Jack in Etiquani Durban says there's a Chev SS. What other SSs are there? What, in the Chev range or car range? I suppose in the car range. Oh, I have to think um, what other SS. Um, what does I SS even stand for? I'm not sure. Maybe somebody can help us. Uh, off the top of my head, SS. Can't think. Uh, you know, each manufacturer sometimes has lines. Um, or names that they've used initially. It stood for something, uh, and then they use those acronyms in, in newer cars. So I'll take an Audi TT as an example. TT stands for Tourist Trophy, um, although um, the, the Tourist Trophy's got nothing to do with it. And a while back, we spoke about GTI, which is Gran Turismo Injection. Yes. So if it's, um, I don't know, maybe somebody can help us out. Well, Jack, maybe you could just help us out by telling us what that SS means yes, and what you think. Some, if, if, if you're trying to stump me, you have. Congratulations. I don't have all the answers. <laughs> okay. Then Eric, also in Durban, in Etiquini, says, mm-hmm. please, can Nico tell me what's the box object on the new Land Rover Defender on the driver's side towards the back of the car? It's a box uh, what is object. That? Yep. Oh, in other words, oh, that sticks out. You know what? Yeah. It's just it's just a, um, what shall we call it? A little cubby hole on the outside. So in other words, it's a compartment on the outside you can stick things in. Um, so you can stick like a medical, um, um, like let's say you want to have your medical aid uh, or your emergency medical aid things in there or whatever. So it's basically uh, more storage on the outside of the car. Um, I'm not sure if I would go for that. I mean, I, when I tested the Defender, I loved it. I think it really is awesome. But that's something that adds to more wind resistance, probably a bit more wind noise. Um, but maybe some people want it because it looks a little bit different. But that's all it is. It's just a compartment to stick things into. So I, I want to just ask you something. If that, that when we have these things on the side of cars, in front mm-hmm. of cars, on the roof of cars, behind the cars, etc., what kind of impact does it have on the drag of your car? 
Oh, what a great question. Quite a lot, actually. How Michelle. are you impressed with me? I am extremely impressed. That really <laughs> wow. Wow. So you should just ask me. Next time you can ask off the questions. That's oh. a brilliant question. I'm impressed. So actually, um, all that you have is you, if you look at the most aerodynamic shape that you can get, it's actually a drop of water because it has no shape. And as it flows through the air, the air for, forms that. And what cars seem to want to do um, is to get as close as, um, to that the teardrop shape. In other words, what we want to do is reduce the drag coefficient, so make the shape more slippery. Except for a race car or a performance car, then it's the opposite. We want to create downforce. But on most cars, we want to create a slippery shape so the air flows around the car nicely, so that we have better fuel consumption, that we have a lower top speed, or a higher top speed rather, better performance and less emissions. But adding things to a car, so even adding a bull bar to your bucky um, makes a difference to the, the wind resistance. Adding a roof rack um, makes a difference to wind resistance. So by adding more things on the outside, um, they create more drag. Uh, they create more wind noise. Um, they make your fuel consumption worse. They um, make your top speed lower. Not that you necessarily want to drive to top speed. They even affect your performance. So everything you add after the manufacturer has, has a... Uh, um, reduction on that. But maybe let's say if you look at a roof rack, you might add a roof rack, but it, it makes the, the, the resistance worse, but it actually has a functional thing because you're a surfer and you just slap the surfboards on there and off you go. Or you like off-roading, so you need to put on your tires or your, roof, your rooftop tent. So sometimes the function allow, um, um, follows the, the drag coefficient. So because it's a practical thing, you'd rather have that. You're not too worried about the resistance because um, it adds more space. And, and it gives you, you know, joy in your life, basically. There you go. So we've got yeah. a couple of voice notes for you. Let's crack them out. And, um, yeah, and we'll, we'll, take it, we'll take it for you from here. Okay. Good morning, Nico. Uh, Eleanor here. How often should I have the cooling system in my Subaru uh, changed or flushed out? Thanks. Yeah. Okay, Michelle. So I think it depends um, um, on, on on the service. Maybe um, first of all, it could be that Subaru would say, "Okay, listen, um, at a certain service, maybe it's every hundred thousand, the the, the 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 it should be flushed out." But normally, if there is no leaks um, and there's no issues, it can actually last a long time. Um, so I would say it, you've got to look at what the manufacturer recommends, and if there's no leaks, it's no issue. Um, important as well that there's a normal. Um, a ratio between the amount of water versus the amount of glycol or coolant. And that's quite important. And also, um, I would go for what Subaru uh, prescribes. So um, you can get cheap coolant, but they might say this one costs a lot more, but we have it for a certain reason. Um, so I would say I would stick to what the manufacturers would recommend, and it might be different for each car. And I don't exactly know what Subaru's one is, but it could be in the owner's manual or simply a phone call away to a dealership. Okay, so then we've got uh, this answer to Jack, and I want to say Molefi on Twitter, you got it. Thank you so much for letting us know. G also let us know, and here we go. Good morning, SFM, and to listeners, and to Nico. It's Sylvan Gamler from Durban. Uh, Nico, I think the Chevrolet SS, the SS stands for Super Sport. You get the Chevrolet SS, which is a V6, and you get the Chevrolet Triple S, which is a V8. And the SS stands for Super Sport. Thank you. 
See, I love our listeners. You guys, oh, that's awesome. You guys are Brilliant. so smart, much smarter than Nico, and a li- <laughs> and and a little bit smarter than me. <laughs> yes. Well, at least, okay. at, least, at least everybody now knows I don't have all the answers. Uh, that's <laughs> why we love We'll chat to you next week. Have a lovely one. Thank you. That's Nico. And uh, in his uh, real life, he's wanting to drive a Lamborghini. Moving into 9 o'clock on the news, good morning.